Welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast, where we feature conversations with entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Agents of Innovation podcast. I'm your host, Francisco Gonzalez, and uh, we have here with us today a really great guest, Enrique Buero, who is coming in here on this interview all the way from Montevideo, Uruguay. So uh, on the other side of the equator, this might be the first podcast I've done uh, across the equatorial divide. So uh, Enrique, welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast. Good morning, Francisco, and thank you very much for the invitation. Thank you. Well, Enrique, to introduce you to our audience a little more, uh, he is the general manager and member uh, of the board of directors of Parque de las Ciencias, a free trade zone located just a few minutes from the international airport there in Montevideo, Uruguay. Um, he's been in this role since 2013, and he's also a board member and president of the Uruguayan Chamber of Free Trade Zones. Between 2002 and 2013, uh, Enrique also acted as legal counsel and in-house lawyer for different pharmaceutical companies, including Merck Sereno and Mega Labs. And we had the chance to visit Mega Labs uh, and the Parque de la Ciencia uh, when I took a group down there in March for the uh, Fearless Journeys group trip to Uruguay. Uh, so that's exciting. But uh, Enrique is also uh, a graduate of the Universidad uh, of Montevideo. So Enrique, again, welcome. Um, you know, again, as I mentioned, Fearless Journeys visited your free trade zone there uh, in Uruguay and received a private tour. We had an excellent tour guide uh, in Julio Martinez. Uh, very passionate, very enthusiastic about everything you're doing there. And that definitely was conveyed to everybody in our group. Uh, we had such a great time and everybody was so fascinated by what is going on there that um, we wanted to share your story with more people through this podcast. So Enrique, first, you know, this is a probably a new concept for a lot of people listening, but what exactly is a free trade zone? How many of them exist in Latin America, if you have any answers to that, and specifically Uruguay, and what makes yours unique? Okay, excellent. Thanks again, Francisco, and, and happy to hear that the, the visit was a good one. And uh, for sure, Julio has a lot of energy, and I'm sure he was a, a good host during the tour. Um, for people to understand, the uh, free trade zone is a, it's a space or location within the country where we have special benefits to be able to uh, bring foreign investment into the country. And, and those benefits are, in, in our case, mainly on, on two pillars. One is absolute legal security for these projects. Uh, Uruguay is a country with a long-standing trademark on, on legal security, political stability, economical stability, social stability. And, uh, and the free trade zones are, are, are a reflect of, of that. Uh, in general that, that the country has and, and that the country really promotes as one of, of its uh, long-standing trademarks. Um, the other thing we offer through the regime is, is the tax benefits and customs benefits for these companies to come and operate here uh, and, and operate from Uruguay, but looking towards the region and, and the world. And uh, in order for them to come, and, and because... Uh, the Uruguayan local market is a small one. 
you need to give some incentives to these companies to come here, hire human resources from Uruguay, and uh, provide services and goods uh, to the region and, and the world. That's, that's the main objective that the free trade zone regime has here in Uruguay. And, and it's to, as I said before, to be able to bring foreign direct investment into the country, which is really important for us being a, a rather uh, small country. Um, on the second question is uh, how many free trade zones we have in, in Latin America, probably around 500. Uh, wow, 500. Yeah, and, and in yeah. the world you have 5,000. So wow. it's, it's a huge number. And, uh, and it's, that, that's an important uh, piece of information because we are competing with these free zones in, in the world. Uh, in this global you know, world, we're all competing against each other, uh, mainly in services because services can be provided from different locations. You don't need to be close to any market to be able to provide services to that market. And, uh, and that makes uh, our free trade zones uh, really competitive and, and, and they need to be really competitive to be able to continue to bring foreign investment into, into this country. We have uh, 14 free zones here in Uruguay. Um, Uruguay was the first country in Latin America to have free zones. Uh, the first law is from 1923. So we've been in this business for quite a while. Wow, 1923, yeah. the first law. Yeah, yeah, the first law for free zones and the first two free zones in the country are from 1923. Of course, this, this had a huge um, uh, impulse after 1987 when we had a new free trade zone law which encouraged uh, private investors to develop free zones in the country. And that's when the, the, the regime really bloomed and moved from lo pure logistics and industrial to services, logistics and industrial as well. But it, it really had a, a, a um, much more uh, much more impact from 1987 onwards. That's great. So 14 free trade zones in Uruguay. Um, you have you you are um, on the I guess you're the the chair of the board I think right of the the Uruguayan Chamber of Free Trade Zones. I guess that's probably some kind of group that uh, connects all the different free trade zones. And is it, does it oversee them? What, what role do they play? Yeah, uh, what, what we try to do is to defend and, and promote the free trade zone regime in, in Uruguay. Uh, and we try to like centralize all our needs there and, and go and talk to the government and talk to international organisms, etc., to make sure that we are doing everything we need to do to have a really uh, a successful free trade zone regime in Uruguay. That's great. Well, um, so tell us a little bit. Uh, Parque de las Ciencias is the one that you oversee as well and that you run. Um, I'd like to know a few things. First of all, uh, what's, uh, can you tell us the significance of the name? Uh, I guess in, in English that reads Park of the Sciences, um, right? Um, and, um, and, and so what... Um, what kind of companies are there? And again, what's the, what's the significance of the name? Yeah, uh, that, that's a really good question because uh, the name is uh, related to probably the, the anchor client that we have here at the park, which is a pharma company. And, and also the, the main target that we have here and, and the main scope or where we put our biggest energy. And, and that's to go after companies doing uh, activities related to life sciences, high technology, high added value activities, where we think 
that the future of a country like Uruguay should be. You know, we are only 3.5 million people here. So we need to have skilled uh, human resources. We need to get into uh, knowledge uh, uh, generation activities, uh, high added value activities. And that's where we think the future of a country like Uruguay should be uh, focused on. And, and that's why the name, and that's why we put all our, all our energy there, even when this is not an exclusive park only for science activities. We like to host uh, any activity that comes into the park or any company bringing uh, something into the park. Of course, it, need, it needs to be compatible to, with this main target that we have. But as long as it is, and they can all uh, live inside the park and peacefully inside the park, uh, we have uh, financial activities, professional services, logistics, uh, traders of uh, raw materials, industrials of different sectors, uh, of course, uh, pharma companies. Uh, so there's a little bit of everything here, but our main focus is still on, on science-related uh, activities. So is that uh, main company you cited, is that Megalabs? Yeah, it's, it's Megalabs. Uh, Megalabs had a huge project for Uruguay and a really unique project because they were planning to have in Uruguay a manufacturing site of pharma products, which is completely out of scale if you look at the Uruguayan market. So it, right. it made no sense to have that sort of manufacturing site in Uruguay if it wasn't under the free trade zone regime. So uh, the park was designed to be able to provide all the services that a highly complex industry like uh, Megalabs or other pharma industry plants need. So uh, everything around the plant is, is uh, up to the standards of the pharma industry. And the park was designed to comply with that. And, and being this a highly complex industry, we think that we are able of hosting uh, many other companies or industries that are not so complex. Yeah, that's great. Well, we had uh, an opportunity to tour some of the Megalabs facility. It was really unique experience to see a, a pharma manufacturing company. And um, just it was huge, by the way, and, and all everything that was... Uh, going on back there. Um, really, really neat experience. Uh, so you mentioned too, like kind of the labor. I wanted to get into this a little bit uh, in terms of maybe the numbers as well. So for a company to say, let's say a US company or any company that's foreign to Uruguay that wants to relocate and locate into a free trade zone in Uruguay like yours, um, what are the benefits to the maybe the individuals that the foreign workers coming and also to the company itself. And then what is the benefit to Uruguay? Perfect. Um, I, I'll start by the benefit for, to Uruguay. Um, the, the law here requires that you have 75% uh, of your uh, payroll. It's, it should be nationals, okay? You, you can ask for an exemption on that and, and take it down to 50 or even go under it if you justify that you need to bring you know, the know-how from abroad and that the people that, that handle the business are foreigners. And, but they will ask you that at certain point you convey with that requirements to make sure that the free trade zone regime is generating employment for Uruguayans, which is one of the, of the objectives of, of having this sort of, of instruments. Um, mm -hmm. 
that's that's for a country. And and if today we take a look at what the, the free trade zones are generating, we have around uh, thirty thousand jobs between direct and indirect uh, employees, which is uh, quite a bit for for Uruguay. And uh, and and this is without counting uh, some of the latest companies that we are starting operations under free trade zones, like the third paper mill that we have in the center of the country, which is going to generate a lot of employment as well. So, so the numbers are really good. And for a, a country like Uruguay with 3.5 million people is, is really significant from, from that point of view. If you see it from a foreigner's point of view, you have the chance of coming down here, uh, not only uh, work, from Uruguay, but also live in Uruguay. This is a really nice country to live in. It's really peaceful. It's uh, easy to move around. Uh, we have a, a quite a bit of coast. Uh, we're close to Buenos Aires in Argentina. We're close to San Pablo in Brazil. Uh, so it's 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 becoming a really interesting place for foreigners to come and live here. Uh, maybe 10 years ago, people coming here were mostly Argentinians. And, and now it's, it's, it's surprising how many uh, uh, United States citizens and, and European citizens were coming uh, down here. And uh, if you come and work for, uh, for a free trade zone user, which is a company operating under the free trade zone regime, you're going to have also some uh, tax benefits. Uh, for example, you can decide not to be in included in the social security system of Uruguay. So you're, you're, you're not going to get deducted money from your uh, wage or from your salary to pay to the social security system in Uruguay, and the company doesn't have to pay either. So that's a benefit that, that um, you're, you're going to get more, much more money. That's great because uh, you know I've 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 been in some rooms where I've asked some U.S. politicians, uh, can 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 you let me as a younger, well this was ten years ago. I'm getting a little older now, but uh, but still as a younger worker. Uh, to opt out of Social Security, like I'll take care of my retirement. Nope, can't do it. It's a, it's it's a Ponzi scheme, is what John McCain told me actually in a, in a town hall meeting. The late John McCain. Now, but um, I mean, he was he was being honest. But but it's it's uh, yeah. So this is something where that is not deducted out of. That's one of the benefits if you don't. And that's a choice, right? You can choose to be part of it or not. Exactly. Um... Uh, you can choose whether to be included or not in the social security system of Uruguay or just to keep the, the, the one you have in your home country and just not be incorporated here. And, and the second option that you have, if, if you do that, you can also decide to be taxed on a 12% on a flat on your income. So you will be taxed as a non-resident even when you're uh, living here in Uruguay. And, and those two benefits are uh, currently only for foreigners being employed by free trade zone user companies, not in the rest of the, of the territory. Yeah, that's great. And then um, the companies themselves, there's no taxes that they pay in Uruguay, right? Correct. Uh, for the companies, uh, you have a, a zero tax regime, which is uh, really interesting. And, and not only you have it, but, but the Uruguayan government guarantees that you will have it for as long as you have a free trade zone user agreement in place. So the, the, the state is, is uh, guaranteeing that no one will be messing up with your uh, tax obligations during the term of your agreement and that you will be exempted from any national taxes created or to be created during the term of your agreement. 
that gives you a lot of visibility and stability on, on your tax planning for the future years. And uh, it's, it's a huge uh, benefit. So it's, it's tax benefits, but it's also legal security on, on, on those tax benefits. This, of course, is regardless of any OCDE, minimum global tax, etc. That's a different story. But in Uruguay, you're going to be, be able to be sure that you're not going to be taxed on your activities performed under the free trade zone regime and complying with the free trade zone regime requirements. That's great. Well, I, I, I assume most of my audience is probably, uh, well, not in Uruguay and mostly probably in the United States and probably have a hard time figuring out where Uruguay is on the map. Um, you know, most people kind of know where Brazil is because it's huge and know where Argentina is, which is kind of right under there. It's at the very bottom of South America. And Uruguay's kind of squeezed in right there. It's got a beautiful coastline, though. And like you said, it's a ferry ride away from Buenos Aires. I think it was about a two and a half hour ferry from Montevideo and about an hour and 15 minute ferry from Colonia. So you're in Montevideo where you're at. And that's the largest city. So three and a half million people live in Uruguay, roughly. And about half the population, I believe, or is it more than that, lives within the Montevideo metro area? Is that correct? That that's correct. Uh, almost half of the population of Uruguay is around the is in Montevideo or, or around the city. Um, the the interesting thing of Uruguay is, is exactly what you mentioned: is that the hinterland of Uruguay is much bigger than Uruguay itself. So, if in a three-hour flight, you can be in almost 70% of the GDP of Latin America and, and the, the, the population around uh, a three-hour flight from Uruguay is probably 300 uh, million or more. So uh, that's why we promote so much Uruguay as the gateway of the region. You can be in a very uh, uh, manageable, stable, uh, predictable country and very close to this uh, big economies like the Argentinian and the Brazilian ones. Yeah, and, and that's really interesting to point out, right? Because a lot of Latin America has a reputation of being very unstable, whether it be politically or economically. Um, and a lot of people have a real, um, you know, real anxiety about investing in places in Latin America because they don't know what's going to happen next. Um, you know, some countries better than others, but my understanding is Uruguay is one of the most free market friendly, strong, most democratically strong country, not just in Latin America, but maybe in all of the Americas, even in comparison to the U.S. and Canada. So um, very, very strong place. Also, uh, just for those who haven't been to Uruguay, like we were lucky to bring a, a great group there. We had a blast. We were there for five nights. Actually, I was there. A few of us were there a little longer for seven nights because we came in for a conference ahead of time, but um, amazing steaks, both in Uruguay and Argentina, great wine. Um, I discovered the Tanat for the first time. It's a kind of wine, right? Uh, so, you know, Argentina's famous for the Malbec. Uruguay's got the Tanat. Uh, so really uh, beautiful landscapes too, as you're driving across the country. Um, and again, really nice beaches. And uh, we had a beautiful sunset one night in Punta del Este from the, uh, Casa Museo Pueblo location. That was that was really spectacular. Uh, something we will always remember, I know. Uh, so great country, uh, great people, strong democracy, strong free markets. But with that said, because you have such a strong economy and you have a stable currency 
And I would say, you know, when, when I went to Buenos Aires or most of Argentina, you know, the U.S. dollar goes really far in Argentina. Not so much in Uruguay. It's, it seems pretty much the prices were about what we would expect in most places in the U.S., uh, nothing too crazy like going to Miami or, or Washington, D.C. or New York, but, you know, like most of uh, average America. Um, but I would say because of that, how is um, like the with the stability of the country, um, how how does that help or impact um, your ability to re recruit or expand the free trade zone? Um. It, it, you, your, your, um, the, your question is related to our um, economy and our currency and, and how, uh, the, the, how costly it may be to operate here in Uruguay? Well, well, I guess what I'm saying is um, because it's such a strong economy already yeah. and such a free country already, what, um, what benefit, I guess, does the free trade zone add to that or um, – or is is because you're so strong? I mean, maybe it's more that you're able to recruit from nearby neighbors like Argentina and Brazil. Maybe companies are like, I need to get out of these countries and go boom right there to Brazil, to Uruguay. Um, you know, I don't know. Does it does that help you uh, in any sense? Uh, be I, or and, and I guess it doesn't. You know, you're not recruiting from within Uruguay, right? So you're recruiting from outside. How does how does that help or, or impact? Uh, perfect. Now, now I understand perfectly the question. Uh, I, I think that in the long run, we need a, a strong region. And, and, and it's not good for Uruguay that Argentina is having the problems that they have. And, uh, and, and sometimes the, the changes in, in, in a big and strong economy like the Brazilian one. I think in the long run, uh, we, we need a strong region. And these are uh, huge export countries for us. So we need them to be strong for them to buy from us services, goods, etc. cetera. Uh, and, and we need very clear rules of the game. Sometimes it's been difficult for the Mercosur, which is the association that gathers the, the countries here in the South Cone, to be able to have, uh, you know, clear rules of the game and, and respect them. So uh, that, that, I think, is, is, is what the, the, the region... Um, the, the challenges of, of this region. Of course, and, and being Uruguay so stable and being Uruguay so predictable and, uh, uh, and being a, a nice place to live in, we are receiving people coming from Argentina and, and from other countries of Latin America, uh, Venezuela. So now we are receiving Chileans, Chileans from, from Chile. And, and Chile was like the, the pearl, you know, in South America for stability and predictability, et cetera. And, 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 and it gave that place up. So, so now Uruguay is, is, I think, is, is number one in that, in that, uh, in that ranking. So uh, that, that's been favorable for Uruguay in certain point. We are receiving uh, interesting workforce coming from these countries. We are receiving um, owners of companies uh, coming to live in Uruguay and bringing their knowledge here and bringing their companies to the country. And this is really, um, really clear in the technology industry. In, in Argentina, for example, from the, I think, the 11 unicorns that they had, I think only one is left there. And in Uruguay, mm. we have at least uh, two or three from Argentina, uh, and the owners are living here. So, so that generates a, quite a, a, an interesting environment where you have, you know, this 
really, really talented Argentinians that are always looking for new businesses to, to be on the, on the frontier of knowledge, etc. In with the Uruguayan ecosystem, which is really good as well, and with clear rules of the game and predictability. And that gives us a, a really interesting combination. And the free trade zones need to play a main role there because we are the, the, the door opening uh, for foreigners to be able to come here, enjoy all those benefits that we were uh, talking about, being able to set their operations here, even when they're not thinking in the local market, they are thinking to the region or to the world, uh, with complete freedom to uh, handle their uh, money. Uh, they can open account, bank accounts in US dollars. You don't have any problems in Uruguay moving in and out the money. You don't have uh, any retention to pay dividends to foreign companies from here, foreign shareholders from here, uh, no taxes in future so on. So, so yeah, we, I think we have a, an interesting um, portfolio of advantages and benefits to be able to continue to bring foreign investment and employment into the country. Do you have like a general uh, breakdown of where the foreign companies are coming from? Um, uh, would you, if you broke it down by percentage wise or something like that? Uh, that that's a good question and I should be able to do it, but I don't have the number right now. Uh, oh, that's okay. I, yeah, I think that um, probably Argentinians are always really keen to invest in Uruguay. Uh, we've been having Argentinians coming to invest in Uruguay for many, many years now. Um, now we have Chileans coming uh, to invest in the country also. But, but U.S. companies and European countries, uh, companies are also um, coming into the country and investing. We have the, the biggest investments in the last uh, 50 years of the country, maybe, which are the, the paper mills. Uh, and uh, they are coming from Europe. So, um, so, yeah, we have a little bit of everything. Now, you know, there's been a lot of lot in the news. You know, we hear a lot about it as well with the uh, with China's Silk Road project with, uh, you know, investments around the world and, and also trying to have influence on a lot of countries. Are you seeing a lot of uh, Chinese investment in Uruguay? Yes, we, we are seeing uh, Chinese investment in, in Uruguay, main, mainly in uh, uh, they, they've been investing here in, in the meat industry. Uh, well, you enjoyed the, the good stuff that we have here but uh, yeah they've, they've been investing in, in slaughterhouses and, uh, and that sort of uh, meat uh, and, and food industry in general um, for free trade zones we, we are starting to have much more investment coming from China for example in, in diagnostics and, uh, and pharma uh, yeah there, there seems to be much more interest for China to invest uh, down here than it was maybe 10 years ago when you mentioned the uh, the farms and the slaughterhouses and that kind of is that is that for China uh, simply as an investment or is it also for them to be exporting that food back to China? No, to yeah, to export uh, to China. China is is our main uh, export destination of, of of food right now. Meat and and other also soy and and other uh, uh, food productions that we have here at the country. So it's 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 a, a significant market for Uruguay right now. Well, let's see. They got about one and a half billion people. That's a lot of uh, that's a lot of Uruguayan cows uh, that they need. <laughs> yeah, um, well, different, different <laughs> to what, no. The other thing I wanted to mention, for example, in services, 
which has become a really, really important export for Uruguay to export services. The mm. United States is in number one. Uh, and, and in free trade zones and, and outside of the free trade zones, mainly for the software industry and, and technology industry, uh, U.S. Is, is number one. That's great. So that's that's a lot. Um, that's probably like what I'm calling for a technical, uh, you know, with, with a software company or something. I, I might be reaching somebody that is based in Uruguay. That's great. Yeah. So speaking of that, um, I I heard uh, that Google might be coming into Parque de la Ciencias. Is that is that uh, something they're looking at doing? Uh, yeah, well, we um, the, Google announced, uh, I think, last year that uh, we had uh, closed an agreement for them to to have 30 hectares inside the park, and uh, and and that's done. Um, we we are um, really careful on on what we say because the, the the company needs to do further announcements on how they are going to develop the project here, and and we are waiting for that. But uh, the park is already moving forward with uh, the basic infrastructure for the, for the 30 hectares, which is, you know, fencing, general lightning. Uh, and hectares, what is, what is 30 hectares? Is that about 50 acres? Is that like... Ah, that's a good question. I, <laughs> we don't need to see the math. Phone, but, but I just want to let listeners know that when you say hectares, you don't mean acres. But I think, uh, I think a hectare is larger than one acre. I think it's not quite two, but something, something in between. <laughs> I can check that. Uh, let me see. And I, I can... Well, wh while you're checking that, Enrique, I was wondering as well with, I know about 75% of the workers. Oh, how did you get the hectare? Yeah, it's uh, one hectare is 2.471 acres. Oh, so it's more than two. Okay, so yeah, so that's, you're looking at maybe 70 acres in the Parque de las Ciencias, possibly for Google, you're anticipating uh, that they might uh, be coming in there. I know business is business, and you got to let let the businesses uh, uh, market that and and and, and inform uh, the world themselves. But um, I wanted to also ask you: with seventy five percent of the workers in the free trade zones are required to be Uruguayan nationals. Now, I know you said there's some exceptions that can be made, but um, so that's obviously a great employer, right, for uh, Uruguay, Uruguayan nationals that uh, people that can get jobs from foreign companies coming in and investing uh, in these free trade zones in Uruguay. Um, how are, have, have these companies experienced any skills gaps or are they coming there specifically because they know uh, Uruguayans can do that kind of work? Yeah, um, going back to the percentages, uh, the law uh, establishes, yes, a 75 minimum. Uh, if you're coming to provide services, you can take it down to 50, and you can go under that in any case, if you justify it, why, why you need to go under. Um, yeah, it, it depends what you're looking for. Uh, if you come to Uruguay right now and, and you're in the software uh, industry or technology industry, well, I think it's, it's a global issue but uh, you you may find that there's more demand that offer um, if you come looking at uh, life sciences uh, and other highly skilled um, jobs but but not related to technology uh, or software development it's it's easier to find the, the human resources uh, what we always say is that if you're coming down here to do something you know massive where you need 
thousands of jobs and, and you're not looking to have a, a highly skilled people and, and high wages and, and, and costs, maybe Uruguay is not the first option. If you're coming here to set some sort of operation where you need highly skilled people, you have a high added value industry and uh, knowledge related, etc. This is a good country to come, and and you will you will need to look for the human resources in some of those industries. But but you uh, you have good good chances of of of, of finding them, and we are but here to help with that, of course. That's great. Yeah. So I wanted to get into that a little bit. Um, uh, so first of all, what was, uh, uh, for you, Enrique, personally, what was your path to, you've been president of the Parque de la Ciencia since 2013, the free trade zone. I don't know how long the, the zone has been open itself, but um, what, yeah, what was sort of your career path to getting there? Um, I assume you were born and raised in Uruguay. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was born and raised here. Um, I started working as a lawyer, as a traditional lawyer, I would say, in a, in a law firm, but, but quickly moved on to work for the uh, pharma industry here in Uruguay. Uh, first in a, a Swiss company that then became German. Then I went on to work for Mega Labs, which was a uh, Latin-German-owned company, and, and now it's 100% uh, German. And uh, it was uh, in Mega Labs that... that we started to discuss the possibility of having a, a, a free zone focused on life sciences. And, and the result of that exercise was uh, Parque de las Ciencias. Um, I, I first started working here as an in-house lawyer for Mega Labs, which is, as you saw, has its, its offices here. And uh, then at a certain point, I, I, I moved on to work for the park. And it's been a, a huge experience and a, and a big roller coaster because it's like, I always say it's like a Pandora box. You know, you, you never know what's coming through the door. One day you may be talking to one company doing logistics. Uh, day it's a pharma company or a technology company, a service provider, a, a cannabis uh, producer. So it's, it's so broad, the, 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 the amount of activities that you get to 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 receive and companies from different activities and that it's really, really interesting. And for a lawyer, it's always a challenge because you're always learning new things. Um, I, I'm not from, I'm not an engineer. I'm not, a, uh, uh, you know, coming from that sort of, of activity. So it's, it's always learning and it's always about uh, problem solving. You know, at the end of the day, it's what you need, what we can help you with to be able to bring your activities here into Uruguay in the first place, and hopefully into Parque de las Ciencias in the second. And uh, it's all about, you know, trying to be a one-stop shop for the foreign investor and helping them with anything they need, human resources, investment infrastructure, whatever, permissions, authorizations, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I'm really glad you said it's all about problem solving, and I just want to focus the attention on that phrase because... You know, that's something with over 125 uh, guests now I've had on this podcast. I feel like that's one of the maybe the number one common characteristic that I see for many entrepreneurs and, and other innovators is, is problem solving. You've got to be able when you can solve problems for people, you create, uh, you know, that you, you, you're basically uh, able to to then, you know, do something of value for them and help them, uh, you know, be able to, you know, for, in your case, bring um 
you know, solve all those problems so they can locate here. And I, you know, I was going to ask you what your day to day is like. You kind of um, described maybe a broader view of the 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 many different kinds of uh, organizations and people and businesses that you work with or see on a very, very variety of levels. You came in as a lawyer. So you mentioned you're not uh, in the medical field or the science field. And you're dealing with a lot of science people, but you also didn't come in, I don't think, with a with a business management background. And I, I, I assume that that's probably the broader scope of what you do in terms of managing that whole park and interacting and interfacing with all these businesses, both in your park and maybe on the recruitment level. So how does... Um, uh, you know, how, how, what is what is like the day to day kind of look like other than the kinds of people you're working with? Like, what are the responsibilities you have? Yeah. Uh, well, day to day here is is a mix of things. It's um, it's uh, looking for prospects to be able to uh, let them know what we are doing down here, and and first of all, let them know, as you said before, what's your where it is located, uh, what type of country it is. Uh, the benefits that we have for companies to to come down here, uh, that's I think that that's the first uh, you know thing that we need to do every day when we try to find new prospects. Then it's uh, hopefully being able to receive people coming to a park like you did. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a turning point. Once you come down here, you see what we are doing. It's very different to tell someone over the phone or over a Zoom conference what you're doing, but when you get them to come here, the experience is completely different. And for, for us, is a, is a complete turning point. The, probably the rest is uh, dealing with the infrastructure. We are always taking care of our infrastructure. And uh, in, the, in, in Parque de las Ciencias in particular, what we uh, defend the most is the uh, industrial capacity of our infrastructure. So we are always working on the capacity of our infrastructure. The, of course, the buildings and the offices, etc., but also you know, the roads for the heavy traffic, the fire extinguishing system that needs to be NF NFPA certified and, and have the adequate pressure in the pipelines for the different industries that we have, the water purifying plant, the water effluent plant, sustainability is absolutely a key aspect for us. One, only one example, but we are not sending any effluents to the, to the public sewage system. We treat 100% of our effluent and we use it for irrigation. So it's, uh, we are completely sustainable and independent in that way. And we like to be uh, like that. Um, that's great. I also noticed when we were there, you had a bunch of solar panels there as well. Are you uh, creating some of your own energy? Yeah, we're trying to create much more clean energy. We we have the benefit here that Uruguay is a is working on clean energy and renewable energy on a high high percentage. We have months where the country is almost completely working on renewable, so that's really good. And even when we are doing efforts on ourselves. On, on our side to have much more and more uh, energy being generated here. The country is already a good and a good example of renewable energy. And that's really good for foreign companies to, to when they come down here. And uh, just to, to conclude the idea, the, the only additional thing that we do, we are permanently interacting with organisms and authorizations, government authorizations, because we need permits from them. We need uh, authorizations, etc. So that's... Uh, 
that's probably the, 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 what takes the, the rest of the day and the, the free trade zone chamber, which is where we all gather together. We put our common issues there and we work as a whole to get uh, the best free trade zone regime that, that we can for the, for the country. That's great. Well, so on that note, um, you know, as brief as you can, what does success look like for you and your free trade zone in the next five years? Uh, that's a really good question. I would say, yeah, su success looks like uh, continue to uh, target the objectives of the free trade zone regime in Uruguay, which is bringing investment into the country. If it's, uh, I would say, high added value, high tech, uh, life science related uh, or highly skilled services, uh, that's much better. If it's investment related to that sort of activities, much better. Because I think again, it's what the country really needs uh, to for the future. It it already has it, but it needs to really potentiate the, that sort of uh, investments for the future. It's generating employment. We need to continue to generate employment for not only for locals here, uh, Uruguayans, but also uh, for immigration. That we we need immigration. We need highly skilled immigration to come down to Uruguay. And, and bring up their families here and, and become Uruguayans and work from Uruguay to the world. So uh, that's the other objective that the free trade zone regime uh, has, which is to bring foreigners into the country and, and to generate employment for them and also for the, for the locals. And uh, the rest is um, continue to increase the export of services and goods from Uruguay to the world. As I said before, the, the local market is small in scale, but the, the hinterland of Uruguay and, and, and in this global world, the, 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 the potential of a country like Uruguay should be limited. You know, is, if we have the people and we have the resources and we have the rules of the game very clear, etc., this should be a really, really attractive place to set up your operations, not only looking towards the region and, and Uruguay, but also looking towards the world. Yeah, that's great. And uh, a lot of room to spread out in Uruguay, too, because we, we went through a lot of uh, open land, a lot of farmland. Um, so are you familiar with some of the. Um, OK, so what we're talking about here is a free trade zone. But are you familiar with some of the free cities that are operating um, that something like Prospera in Honduras? I don't know if you're familiar with that project where the basically the country of Honduras uh, through their constitution has given not only free trade, but free governance, uh, to a very small area in, in, um, in Honduras to try to attract foreigners and foreign investment. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, and if so, would you be, you know, have you shared any information or learned anything from, the, from them? No, uh, I, I'm familiar with uh, the concept of free cities, but uh, we don't have any uh, projects here in Uruguay which are looking towards that, that sort of, of thing. I, uh, but, but yes, I'm, I'm familiar with the concept. Uh, it's not something we, we have right now uh, in Uruguay. Fortunately, this is a really uh, transparent and well-handled country with a really, as you said before, the, the rankings here are really good uh, in in transparency, in low corruption, in rules of the game being very clear, in having the very clear separation of, of powers, you know, between the judicial uh, executive and the Congress. So we don't need, I think, right now those those sort of uh, free cities. 
um, to be able to continue our you know prosperity pathway. But uh, we we are aware that these things are happening in other in other places. Um, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's not something needed for Uruguay necessarily. Uh, and also, it sounds like the free trade zones itself are attracting a lot of great investment. You know, you mentioned I got one question here that I was thinking about there, and also as you were talking, um, in terms of when you were saying you need immigration or you want immigration, uh, such a small country, three and a half million people. Um, is there ever any concerns or debates about um, if you have too much immigration that you could change the culture? Because, you know, we have in the United States, 330 million people, right? And we have a border crisis right now. We have tens of thousands of people coming over every week. And, you know, you have even people here with 330 million people saying, oh, you know, too many immigrants might change the culture. <laughs> right? So so with a country that's three and a half million, um, are there ever, are any concerns that um, – the the immigrants that too much of too much migration into the country could be uh impacting the culture in a different way uh not now not now i think that that discussion is is not on the table right now uh your way is much focused on on generating um high quality highly skilled immigration and and i think that 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 uh very valid concern is is not on the table right now we as we have plenty of, of space and, and we need immigration to keep growing. So I think that that is overcoming the, the other discussion right now. But, but uh, yes, eventually it, it could be something to be discussed, but it's, it's not on the table right now. No. And, and we That's have- great. Well, one of the things I really liked what you said uh, a little earlier was there's nothing like coming to a place in person and seeing it for yourself. Um, I try to really bring people to a lot of places through my Fearless Journeys community. So we had a great time on our first ever, my first ever as well, uh, trip to Uruguay. And um, the people are great. The food is great. Um, it's a great, strong economy, beautiful beaches, beautiful sunsets, uh, great wine. I, we went to Bodega Garzon out there. Actually, what you said was also really interesting about you guys are really trying to do uh, produce a lot of sustainable energy, whether that be solar panels that I saw at Parque de las Ciencias or out at Bodega Garzón, where they get it's very windy out there. And they said, yeah, that's why we have the windmills uh, out there. So uh, they're capturing um, uh, some energy that way as well. So it seems like a, a country that's really moving forward in a, in a really great direction, um, something that, you know, can can really be, I think, an example for other places, especially in Latin America. Um, and, you know, I think there's nothing like, uh, looking over, uh, maybe the water from Buenos Aires or, or down the coast from Brazil and saying yeah, they're getting something right over there in Uruguay on a, on a, on a smaller scale. They're, they're a little smaller. we got a, you know, bigger countries around them. Um, uh, but maybe we can, uh, we can look at this and, and, and I think part of the, the answer might be these free trade zones, which again, uh, what very innovative, uh, way to bring people and investment into the country as well as uplift Uruguayans, because as uh, you know, one of my questions was, well, wait, how's this affect Uruguayans? It, well, 75% of the people here need to be, uh, you need, you need to be employed uh, that are Uruguayan, you know, with, with some exceptions. And also the amount of capital investment that then comes into the country as well. Yeah, uh, absolutely. If, if we, we have, for example, in the, in the free zone chamber, we have a, a study which shows that for every dollar that the Uruguayan government uh, exempt from taxes to free zone user companies, they're getting six 
and, and, and going up to seven uh, in, in the economy. So why? Because we, we hire people that pay their taxes and, and consume uh, goods and, and services in Uruguay to companies that are paying taxes. Um, and, and they are also paying taxes when they do it because we have the VAT. Uh, we are all also hiring services from local companies that pay taxes. The free zone developers are uh, taxed companies, and we also pay a one-time payment every year to the Uruguayan government to be able to have these sort of uh, free zones in Uruguay. So that shows that one dollar uh, that they give up in, in taxes, it's generating six. So th there's benefits all over the 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 existence of free zones in in this sort of uh, countries and uh, and and that's uh, being shown it's it's global in fact uh, the one to six that that uh, resulted here in Uruguay is very similar to what Costa Rica has Colombia has and other countries are around the world so it's the 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 free zones are really really uh, you know, prosperity tools to, to be able to generate economic activities in, in countries. And, and we are very proud to have this sort of regime down here. Well, uh, Enrique, I really want to thank you for being on the Agents of Innovation podcast. Thanks for being an agent of innovation yourself. Um, how can people uh, reach you if they'd like to uh, get in contact with you or your team? Oh, they can uh, do it through the through the web of, of Parque de las Ciencias. It's it's really easy to find. You will put Parque de las Ciencias uh, Uruguay because there are other parks, science parks around the world, and it may take you to other places. But uh, if you put Uruguay, it's going to be for sure us. Great, and I'll put uh, some links in the show notes as well. So people are generally watching this on YouTube or Spotify or listening on Spotify or Apple or anywhere else they get their podcasts. So wherever you're listening or watching, I hope you will like this episode, share it with somebody, and subscribe to the podcast so you can listen to more innovators like Enrique Buero uh, from Montevideo, Uruguay. Thanks for being with us on the Agents of Innovation podcast today. My pleasure. Thanks to you, Francisco.